0: the resurrection of Jesus from the grave there God our risen Savior and Lord we want to pray that as we enjoy this service together this morning with other believers Lord we we mostly God want to pray that we enjoy our fellowship with you God we pray that you will just show up today in our Easter services everything we say and do every song we sing every prayer we pray God may it be glorifying to you Lord may May we proclaim the gospel message through uh, everything we do today. And, Lord, we want to pray that, that, Lord, you'll bless the reading of your word this morning. God, it won't be about what I have to say, but, Lord, what your word says. God, just help me to expound on the things that you have placed on my heart. God, that someone else may draw strength from them as I have. So, Lord, we want to pray for your blessing today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now this morning, uh, we're talking about the good news of the empty grave, and we've come this morning to celebrate Easter, specifically this sunrise service, and we want to talk about briefly what those women experienced there at that tomb that morning. And so it, if you can, just kind put of your, put your mind the best you can. I got a good imagination. I don't know about you, but when I read scripture, I try to imagine, okay, what did these people experience? What was it like? What did the air feel like? Was it cool? Was it hot? You know, was it foggy? What was it like to be able to walk to that tomb? So this morning, I'm going to ask you to stretch your imagination a little bit. Imagine what these ladies must have, um, what they must have been thinking as they walked on to the empty tomb that morning, but not knowing the tomb was going to be empty. Okay, they were going to anoint the body of Jesus. But today we call this the good news of the empty grave because it is good news that the tomb was empty, okay? It it was good news, and it still is good news, okay? Jesus didn't just uh, rise from the dead. He's still alive, okay? It's not that it was a one-time deal. He's still alive today, and we celebrate that. So as we look here, now... Again, you got to understand, as these ladies walked to the tomb, it had been three days. You count the day that Jesus was crucified, which would have been Friday. That's why we call it Good Friday. He was crucified on Friday. as one. Saturday was two. And they placed him, in, and he resurrected on the third day. Now, I told Connie this last night. I was sitting on the bed reading the Bible, uh, going over my sermon again, right before I went to sleep. But uh, does anybody know what month it is? Nobody knows what month it is? April. April. Okay, April. What number is that? Four. 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 I mean, I knew what month it was. I wasn't asking y'all. So it's four. Okay, what day was yesterday? What year is it? Okay, four, three, two, one. Think about that. Kind of like a countdown to today. I thought that was kind of neat. All right, I'm the only one. All right, okay, good deal. All right. Now, I, was, I, I follow Ed Newton, who's the pastor at a church in San Antonio, Texas. He's the one preaching the day Summer got saved. And so uh, he had posted that on Instagram last night. And I thought, that's good. You know, that is good. Kind of like a countdown to today. You know, kind of, like we're, kind of like we're building up. So as we look here, let we get ready to jump off into our scripture. I read this quote on, somewhere on the internet this week. It goes along with a video Ron showed last Sunday about Sunday is coming. But it's, it's more or less the same thing, but it's a quote. It says, Peter is asleep. Judas has betrayed him. Mary is crying. Hope is lost. Death has won. Satan is laughing. Jesus is buried. A soldier stands guard. A rock is rolled into place. But Sunday is coming. And Sunday is coming. And Sunday is here. So we celebrate today. So as we jump off into this thing this morning, first thing I want you to note was this. The stone was rolled back. That's point number one. The stone was rolled back. It tells us here of in verse one that uh, after the Sabbath, the first day of the week, which was Sunday, began to dawn. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. Now, so... The ladies show up at the tomb, and they find the stone rolled back. I want to go ahead and say the obvious, but it needs to be said this morning. The stone was not rolled back for Jesus to get out, okay? The stone was rolled back for you and I to look in, okay? This same Jesus who is resurrected from the dead, also just a few chapters earlier, had raised Lazarus from the dead. If Jesus could walk up there and say, Lazarus, come forth, then there was no stone going to keep him in the grave, okay? So the stone wasn't rolled back for him to get out. And I think there's sometimes people have that mis, um, misperception or... Mis- All of a sudden, I can't think of the word I want to use. That's good enough, ain't it? I love you, Aunt Jo. Just, you speak Vance language. I like that. But the thing is, uh, you know what I meant, right? But, so the stone was rolled back because the ladies needed to walk in there and see that the tomb was, in fact, empty. It wasn't to let him out it was for us to look in. Oftentimes, you know, I I've thought about this and jotted this down on my notes as I was reviewing back through things. But uh, too many times, you know, or oftentimes we watch movies on the resurrection and how the stone was rolled back and Jesus walked out. And, and I know you have to do that probably for cinema and Hollywood effects. So the stone rolled back, Jesus walks out. But that was not, you know, that stone didn't have to roll back. He could have walked right through the wall. And for all we knew, we did. I don't know. But that stone was rolled back for you and I, to look in. And the ladies looked in that day, and they saw that He was not there. Second thing I want you to notice is this, that the Savior had risen. Now, verse 5 says this, But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. This is an awesome verse. He is not here, for He is risen, as He said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay. Now, as we jump into this here a little deeper, they said, For He is risen. As he said. Now, I didn't give Ron any of these reference scriptures because I kind of threw a lot of this in there as I was sitting there a while ago thinking about looking back at these things. But if you want to loosen up your fingers this morning in your Bible pages, you can flip with me. We'll look at about four different places. Matthew chapter 12. We'll stay in the book of Matthew and make it easy. But Matthew 12, 40. Matthew 12, 40 said this. Now, this is kind of interesting because we've been talking about Jonah on Sunday night here at Waynesville. But Jesus was talking, he says, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Then also in Matthew 16, we'll just kind of work our way through the scriptures. Matthew 16, verse 21. Jesus tells them, Uh, If we were to back up and read more verses, we won't do that. But 21 says, From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then go to Matthew 17 with me. Matthew 17, verse 22. It says, Now while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. And they will kill Him. And the third day He will be raised up. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. And then the last place we'll look is in Matthew 20. Matthew 20, verse 17. Now Jesus... I'm sorry. Now, Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples aside on the road and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. And deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify. And the third day he will rise again. Now this is what Jesus had been saying here. And he was he was making the point. Listen. Several times he had prophesied and he had told the disciples and the ladies and all those that are following him. That he was going to go up to Jerusalem be crucified. But on the third day he would rise from the dead. Now... We, we, we know all of that, and then we see here in Scripture of where the Bible tells us where over in Luke 24, 5, the angel is recorded as saying, why do you seek the living among the dead? Now, I said all that to say this, or to ask this question, why do you think that they went looking for him to be in that tomb? In other words, he had told them he was going to rise on the third day. You would have thought somebody would have sat back going, it's day three. You know, let's, let's go see if he's gone. But they didn't go to see if he has gone. They went to anoint his body. There was sadness. There was was this this heaviness in the air when it came to these guys because they thought he was dead. Now, not to beat them up too bad, had you and I been there, we probably would have felt the same way because they watched it. Well, John did, and, and the ladies, the other disciples weren't there. But they had heard about what had happened. They knew he was dead. They knew they had took him off the cross. They knew they had placed him in this tomb. But you got to ask yourself this question. You, you have to wonder, what were the angels thinking? The angels at the tomb. Because they're probably thinking because they knew who he is and probably thought, didn't he say he was going to rise from the dead? Why did you not believe him? You know, I mean, think about that for a second. John Phillips put it this way. He said, for Jesus to rise to the grave, close, walk out through the wall, and vanish from view, was all to be expected. The ladies were probably perplexed. Because he wasn't there, and the angels were probably like, it's Jesus. You get what I'm saying? Am I the, okay, y'all got to, y'all out this morning, y'all got to wake up. You know, Don, get y'all up, do some calisthenics. I know it's early, but y'all got to stay with me. Look, I got this sermon, on a whole on a whole nother one, so y'all got to get woke up. So, but the, the angels were looking and going, you know, it's Jesus. What did you expect him to do? He told you he was going to uh, rise from the dead. And I thought about that this week, but I thought, how many times do we see Jesus showing up in our lives? Declaring truth to us, only for us to doubt it the very next day. Amen? I mean, we do the same thing. I'm beating up the ladies and I'm beating up the disciples as I'm studying the scripture this week. I'm going, guys, come on, Jesus told you he's going to do it. Why did you doubt? But then quickly I thought, but God, I do that every day. You know, you'll show up in my life today and, and proclaim a truth into my life and say, Vance, I'm going to do this because I promised I'm going to do this. But just as soon as I go to bed and get up the next morning, I go, Lord, you sure? Are you sure you're going to do that, Lord? I, I, you know, gosh, this is, this is tough. I, I, my doubt is creeping in. And so we beat up the ladies and we, and we give the disciples a hard time. But I think we were just as guilty as they are. But you need to understand this morning, the, Christ, the resurrection... We have a tendency to talk about the the crucifixion more than we do the resurrection. And I really don't know why we do that. As Christians, we talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ about once or twice a year. And I don't know why we do that. Because, listen, it's as important to the gospel message as the cross was. The gospel message consists of the virgin birth, the cross where Jesus died for our sins, and the resurrection. You take any one of those three out, you don't have a gospel message anymore. or or at at least you've minimized it tremendously. You can't take one of those out. So I like what my my, uh, life application Bible says there in the footnote on the resurrection and talking about how it's key to the Christian faith. It said, just as he promised, Jesus rose from the dead. And because of that, we can be confident that he will accomplish all, not part of, but all that he has promised. His bodily resurrection gives us the confidence that we too will be resurrected one day. Death is not the end, church. Okay? Death is simply the journey to where we're going, okay? We sometimes finalize life with death and we go, Ugh, this person died. Hey, if they're a Christian, they're more alive now than they've ever been. Why? Because we have hope in Jesus Christ. If Jesus is alive and we put our hope in Him, then we too will live one day. Matter of fact, I'm going to chase some scripture here this morning. Um, This may be a little lengthy. It's okay. I got 20 more minutes. (laughs) Sunday school don't start until 945. Go to to 1 Corinthians with me. Go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. What I'm going to read here is a little lengthy, but as I'm standing here reading this, this is where my mind kept going. Now, Paul, as he's writing to the church here in Corinth, there are people that have, have minimized and tried to destroy the crucifixion, I mean, excuse me, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they're trying to act like there's no resurrection. But, and I, I would love to read you the entire chapter but you might not love that as much as I would. So we're going to jump off in verse 12 here. 1 Corinthians 15, 12. Paul says, Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ." ...whom He did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ, they've perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men the most pitiable. Now... What he's saying is this. If you're saying there's no resurrection, then that means Christ didn't resurrect. And if Christ didn't resurrect, then we have no hope. And then if we put all of our hope in Jesus Christ and he didn't resurrect, well, he's just a dead Savior, and we're, we're pitiful because we have no hope. We're like, we're like the worst of the worst because we put all our hope in a lie, is what Paul was saying. He said if there's no resurrection, this is who we are. We have placed our hope in something that is not real because our hope in Jesus Christ, he's still in the grave. But notice what Paul says. He doesn't stop there. This is where it gets really good. Verse 20 says, But now, all the butts of the Bible are good. Okay, They're always good, always. He says, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. He's referencing Adam there in the first man. The second man is Jesus. It says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive, but each one in his own order. Christ the first fruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy will be destroyed is death. Now I want to pause for a second to say this. Now, I've gotten completely out of my sermon at this point, but it's okay. What's the one enemy you and I can't defeat? Death. Y'all heard me say this the other day, no one gets out alive. Unless the church, unless the church is raptured out and Jesus Christ comes back, nobody gets out alive. Nobody. Death always comes for everybody. It's 100% right now. 100%. Some are young, some are old, some are middle-aged. Either way. When it's our time, it's our time. But it's not the end. Okay? It's not the end. And that's what Paul said. The last enemy will be destroyed is death. Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave. Okay? He destroyed all of them. If we put our faith and trust in Him. It says here in 27, For He has put all things under His feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is expected. Accepted, excuse me. Now when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him. That God may be all in all. And I'm going to read you this last part here and then we'll move on. Jump over to verse 50 in this same chapter. Paul writes on, he says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on incorruption. Immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, get this, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if anybody wanted to erupt right there and say amen and hallelujah, that would be a great place. I'm going to read it to you again. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. Thank you. Things go a lot faster if you just go ahead and say amen, okay? Verse 58, and we'll move on after this. He says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Amen. Now this morning, and I'm going to read you this quote by John Wolver. We'll go on to the third point and we'll wrap it up. John Wolver said it this way. If Jesus had failed to rise, he would have been a deceiver unworthy of further devotion. One proof. He had risen was the empty tomb. The women were encouraged to come and see the place where the Lord had been lying. Had been, past tense. Had been lying. Now, third point is this. The women went away rejoicing. Verse 8 says this. We're back in Matthew. Okay, We're back in Matthew 28 now. After we've been all over. We're going back to Matthew. Let me read verse 7. I said verse 8, but 8's our focus, but let's read 7. The angel told the ladies, he said, Go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. Now, we're just going to break a couple of things down here. If you're into underlining things in your Bible, you want to underline this if you had not already. The fact that they went out quickly, they went with fear, they went with great joy. So we see quickly, fear, and great joy. Then you ask the question, why quickly? Why with fear? Why with great joy? Now, this is what I took from this. Because he was alive. He was alive. I mean, think about it. If you think somebody is dead and you go to the tomb and he's not there, what's your reaction? I mean, and it just wasn't anybody. It was Jesus. It was your, it was your Savior. It's the one you'd been following for three and a half years and, and watched him perform miracles and ministries. All of a sudden, uh, the angel tells them to go and to tell the disciples that he is risen from the dead. They went quickly, I believe, because he was alive. And listen, that's good news. And it should bring joy to our lives this morning. Now, I'm going to say this, and and I'm going to pose a question to you that I feel like God posed to me this week. How many of you believe Jesus is alive today? Amen. Then why do we live like he's dead? Just let that hang there for a while, okay? Why do we live like he's dead if he's alive? Now that's the question God asked me this week. Because see, if you really believe he's alive, it changes everything. It changes everything. You can't be complacent. You can't be stagnant. You can't be stale. You can't be in. Inter- you can't be any of these things. If you truly believe he's alive, there's joy. And when you got joy about something, you're going to want to tell somebody else about it. You're going to want to share. You're going to be excited. But honestly, let's just be be real just for a second. And I know, you know, please don't take any of this as an insult. But if it fits, wear it too, okay? But how many of us walk into church sometimes? Sit down. Look at the ladies that are leading worship. See if you can get me to worship. If you can, I'll applaud you. If you can't, on y'all. And Brother Vance, you know, bless me if you can. Now I know I'm probably preaching to the choir because y'all are the early morning crowd. But if you're, listen, I want to look at some of y'all sometimes and go, Smile, he's alive. you know. You know, if you believe he's alive, then your face should reflect it. Your your life and your heart are translated. And listen, I'm only telling you something God's already told me this week. Vance, if you believe I'm alive, then smile, son. Then put a pep in your step. Act like you're excited that I'm alive. You, You live your life like I am dead. You don't live your life like I'm coming back, but I am. And if I believe all of those things, listen, to believe something means that you put it into play. It doesn't mean you just talk about it. It's easy to talk about it. Listen, standing up here and preaching three sermons a week is not that hard. Well, it's hard, but it ain't as hard. It's not as hard as living it out. See, when I leave this building is where I have to take what I believe and put it to practice. That's hard. That's very hard. But that's what I've been called to do. If I truly believe something, listen, I'm going to be devoted to what I say I believe. If I'm not devoted to it, then I don't really truly believe it. These guys, listen... They went quickly. There was an urgency to tell those around them that He was alive. Listen, that urgency hasn't changed. Over 2,000 years later, there's still an urgency to tell people that Jesus is alive. Because there's a hurting world out there that needs to know that there is a risen Savior. And that He loves them. There's still that urgency. We need to go quickly. It says that they went with great joy the news that Jesus Christ is alive today if we are Christians should put joy in our lives and and the last thing is this and we will dismiss in prayer they went fearfully they had fear you think fear well here's what I took from that I don't really know exactly why they went with fear I got my ideas, but I know why I should be fearful today, and how I live out my Christian life is simply because He is coming back. Now I'm not fearful about Him coming back, but there is a fear. There's a fearful urgency in my life of how I live for my Lord. Why? Because I know I'm going to stand before Him one day. I remember being a kid, and um, and some of y'all could probably relate to this, but you know, being like summertime, and my dad worked at the railroad. At this time of my life and he he'd get up you know and he would tell me the night before now I need you to have this done when I get back when I get home tomorrow in other words he's getting up because he was getting up early to go to work before I would get up so he was letting me know the night before you know you need to have this accomplished this is what you need to do tomorrow when I come back it needs to be done okay said, yes sir hey, don't make me have to, to tell you twice no sir and I remember him you know what would I do normally is I would get up the next morning and know daddy don't get home to four. Anybody else done that? I could have went ahead and got it done and been done with it and not stressed the rest of the day. But all day long I was doing what I want to do. I was playing, doing this, and my mom kept saying, you remember your daddy told you to get that done. I'll get it done, Mom. I'll get it done. And then get down to the last hour. <gasps> you know, trying to get it all done at the last minute. You know, Daddy's gonna get me if I don't, you know, I'm thinking, but we live our Christian life kind of the same way. Look, he said he's coming back. We know He's coming back, but we live our Christian life sometimes like, well, I'll I'll, I'll get to that later. We need to be living for God right now because we don't know. We don't know when we're going to stand before the Lord. We don't know when He's going to come back for us. He hasn't given us a time. So how do we be prepared for that? We're always prepared. We should always be prepared to stand before our Lord. The time is drawing near. I'll read you this verse, and I'm done. In Acts, chapter 1. Acts, chapter 1. Acts, chapter 1, if I can get there. Acts, chapter 1, verse 11. It says, this is when Jesus ascended to heaven. It says, The angel said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. He's coming back, church. He's coming back. Are you excited about that? Are you living your life like you're expecting to return? Listen, we don't don't worship a dead Savior. We worship a risen Savior, and it's important that we live like He's alive today. Because there is a hurting and dying world that needs to see a risen Savior displayed through our lives. This morning, I'm going to pray and dismiss us from this part of the service. I know we've got breakfast in the back, uh, but I want to remind you that we have Sunday school at 945, and we've got uh, worship service at 11. We invite you to stay for all of these things today. And we have no services tonight. This gives you an opportunity to visit or spend time with your family and uh, enjoy some family time. I think that's important too. And so no night service tonight, but we'll be back here Wednesday at 6.30. So I'm going to pray for us, dismissing us from this part of the service. Appreciate all of you being here this morning. And I'm going to pray for our breakfast in the back. Go ahead and pray for that so we don't have to try to quiet everybody down again, okay? Please, everybody, stay. And eat, we always have more food than we know what to do with, okay? So please stay and eat with us. But let us pray. God, we thank you so much for this, this morning. God, that you've given me an opportunity to share uh, what was on my heart. God, what you have spoken into your word. God, there's so many scriptures we could have pulled from this morning. But God, these are the ones you'd have me to focus on. And Lord, I, I pray you would help me as a Christian. To live my life like you are alive. Because you are. Lord, you are alive today. But sadly, Lord, sometimes I live my life like you are. That you're dead. That you're still in that tomb. That, Lord, you didn't rise on the third day. But God, you are alive. And Lord, that should give me joy and hope in my life to know That my life doesn't end here. That I have hope in Jesus to know that what is yet to come is better than anything that I've ever had here. That the enemy that we're all going to face, death, was defeated by my Savior Jesus.